Hey, I'm Camille Joy, the host and creator of the Moments of Joy podcast, the place that will leave you surely feeling motivated, inspired, and encouraged. Welcome to the show. I need the joy. of the Moments of Joy podcast has been brought to you by Carson Aesthetics. Carson Aesthetics Premier Wellness Spa is dedicated to improving quality of life by addressing each customer's specific needs. Their trained skin therapists steer away from a one-size-fits-all method and they take time to analyze the skin and develop the best treatment program for each individual. Using their knowledge of skin and the benefits of natural ingredients, they've developed their raw, do-it-yourself blending where customers are not only able to learn about the benefits of natural substances, but they take an in-depth look at their own skin and develop their own skin routine. My personal favorite part of this is BC Wellness Teas. And BC Wellness Teas are wonderful loose leaf tea blends that are created locally with love and with ingredients sourced from around the world. This place is located in Milford, Connecticut, where you can check them out in person. But the best part about it is their products are available online. I'll leave the description to where you can find information about them and the link to the show. And you guys, check them out. Participate and purchase BC Wellness Teas and Carson Aesthetics products. Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. I'm so excited today. We have a special treat with us. Pastor Christy Lyles, all the way from Plano, Texas. She is an author, she is a coach, and she is the pastor of Outpour Church. One of the pastors. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Christy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. As I was sharing with you before I pressed record, I just, um, you know, thank you for your consistency over the years. I first heard about Pastor Christy um, through the GLAM conference in 2016, and just following her, she's just powerful, and she's a blessing, and she's been so consistent with blessing women over the years, so I know that she's going to bless us on a podcast today, so thank you, Pastor Christy. Thank you. Thank you for being a supporter all this time. You're welcome. Um, So on the podcast, we like to start our guests out with just sharing how they grew up so that we all can get just a full glimpse of how the Lord has been just glorified and so good in your life. So would you just share with us where you grew up, how you grew up? Sure. Yeah. So I'm actually from Washington, D.C. I grew up in the DMV area. I just moved to Dallas um, about three years ago, okay. um, so I'm still uh, pretty new to, I guess, what they call the DFW. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up in D.C., Maryland, uh, my parents were very much into the church. Um, they both were leaders in the church. My father was a deacon. My mom was a deaconess. Um, now, you know, they're elders and whatnot. Um, and so church was non-negotiable in my household, you know, and not just 
church and tradition. They had church, church. I grew up in a deliverance ministry mm -hmm. um, that flowed heavily in deliverance and the prophetic, um, just a very powerful upbringing um, when it comes to uh, the things of God. Um, you know, kind of strict. So there wasn't a, a lot of secular music. There wasn't any, you know, um, watching certain things on TV. Not, certain words could not be said in the house. You know, mm -hmm. dating was not going to happen until they absolutely allowed you to. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's how I grew up. Me and my younger brother, uh, we grew up in very strict environment. Um, and not in a, you know, crazy way where we weren't allowed to have fun, but my parents just made sure we understood that the things of God were a priority. They were active at the church, you know, so we were there, you know, probably four or five days out of the week. Um, and looking back on it, I just see how much preparation the Lord was giving me then for the things um, that I have to do in ministry now. So I'm grateful uh, for the upbringing. Yeah, as, as I was... Um... I was watching you. I I was like, wow, just recently on YouTube. I was like, she mm -hmm. she's like a gentle giant. You know, like it is it, just so, so effortly will just slay the enemy and you know and it don't have to really come in a way that's, you know, extra. And I and I like yeah. that about you and I thank God for you representing that, you know, that um that voice, you know, that it yes. doesn't have to be all, you know, extra yeah. loud and all the time you know all the time you know mm -hmm. i think that's great and i think if that's your disposition and the presentation and personality that god's giving you then awesome um, but i do think that a lot of women sometimes um feel that because their presentation isn't like what they already see um through other ladies in ministry and even men in ministry that that disqualifies them from having an anointing mm -hmm. and having a call um, and so what I really try to promote, especially um, at our church with the women, is use what God has given you. Amen. Use your oil, use your armor to Amen. do battle in the spirit. Um, it doesn't have to sound like anybody else or Amen. look like anybody else. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, your power is in your distinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And growing up as, as the oldest child, um, do you think that that prepared you for leadership? Yes, I think um, the eldest uh, sibling in most families, they have no choice unless they just completely abdicate their role. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have some leadership qualities because you're just paving the way um, yeah. in the family when it comes to the children and your parents are, are usually more strict on you because it's their first time and they want to make sure they're getting it right. So they hold you to a standard and then you start holding yourself to that standard and then you know um without even really trying you hold your younger siblings to that standard um mm -hmm. so i'm grateful to be um the eldest and you know i call my baby brother baby brother when he's a whole you know 33 years old um, <laughs> and he's like when when am i not going to be a baby brother can i at least just be your younger brother and i said well we'll think we'll think about it but you yeah. know it's just that mindset of you know, um, I'm in charge and I have to keep things together and keep order. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, growing up in the DMV area, did you attend school in that area as well as far as um, secondary, high school, and then college? Um, I did do um, high school there and I did most of my college um, there uh, because um, 
after high school, I went to um, community uh, college because um, it just so happened that that year in September um, was my first year out of school. September 11th, actually, um, was the first day at my new job. Um, oh, wow. I was planning to go to New York right after high school to be a singer and an actress. I wanted to do the whole um, lifestyle of an entertainer. Yeah. And I had found a, a great Christian college up there. So I was going to try to, you know, do Christian college by day and, you know, work at the record labels and whatnot in the evenings. And so um, that summer, I had everything prepared right before I graduated, you know, June, July, August, I was in New York. And then September 11th happened, 9-11 happened. And mm -hmm. I just felt um, when that happened that New York wasn't going to be the place for me right then at that time. So I did mm -hmm. what most uh, people in the D.C. area do, get a good government job. Yes. And, um, <laughs> the, the seat of all the government um, is right there in D.C. So we get good government jobs, you know, um, and you make good money. And so I did that. And I only planned to do that temporarily, um, you know, working at the Department of Justice and, you know, making very good pay uh, for how young I was. Uh, I bought a condo when I was 18 years old, so I owned real estate wow. um, and had a nice car. And wow. that, you know, one year that I planned to be in the government ended up being 13 years mm, um, wow. within the government. And probably had I stayed in, I think the last time I remember calculating, I could have retired at 42. But going wow. into the government at 17, 42 seemed like eons away. Right. And so um, at 30, I finally left the government. Mm. And um, I left the government because I thought at the time, the relationship that I was in, I thought it was going to go to marriage because that's what we had discussed very seriously mm -hmm. and making preparations for that. And it fell through. Mm -hmm. um, the relationship fell through after I had already given up, you know, my good government job and things oh, of that wow. nature. So I had to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started working at a university and that money was pretty, you know, okay, but it wasn't what I was used to making because the hours were just part-time. And mm -hmm. then that university job lost um, their grant that funded my position. Wow. And so I was laid off. Mm. And once I was laid off, um, as the dean was letting me go, I was walking out of his office and I heard the Lord clearly tell me, you'll never work another nine to five, do what I told you to do. My and God. I, th I thought I was just hearing it, you know, cause sometimes in, you don't know for sure. Is this in my mind that I'm thinking this or is God really telling me this? But he was really telling me that because I promise you, even with all of my credentials, my work experience, my degree, I could not find another job. I was my getting God. no's from every place that I tried. I tried to go to places that I could, you know, you know clearly get the job and then I was being told no you're overqualified or telling me that you're underqualified or just pick someone else I couldn't even get interviews and so it took some months mm -hmm. for me to really recognize you know the Lord was serious mm -hmm. about that mm -hmm. he told me you know the first part of it was you never work another nine to five and he told me do what I told you to do mm -hmm. so I had to really analyze what what has God told me to do and at that time he told me to finish my master's degree and to write a book and to write a book and so i was thinking he can't have possibly shut down every other opportunity to make me do this 
Right. Um, but because I was running out of options and I was hitting walls and my mother said, I believe the Lord is telling you to do what he told you to do. Mm. Um, so I, you know, started doing my schooling again to do my master's. And in the meantime, I was writing my book, my first book, Dating with Discernment. Wow. What I had learned in that relationship, it did not work out. Um, I learned so much in that relationship. So I wrote a book about dating with discernment. And I believe um, that uh, Christian women in particular, church girls, as they like to call us, have such a difficult time in the dating realm because um, there's a part of us that wants that good, godly man that we can go to church with, we can pray with, you know, we have the same beliefs, the same standards, um, but then it doesn't seem like there are many options mm -hmm. in, in that particular group. Um, and so then we're faced with, do we date unbelievers and do we mm -hmm. just pray them into the church and do we hope that they get it together at some point? Um, and so what I learned is that the dating in, within the church was not much different than the dating in the world mm. and being just as damaging for women and their hearts. And so um, I, the Lord gave me a book, Dating with Discernment, um, and how to avoid counterfeit. And so mm. um, that was really uh, a, a large thrust in my singles ministry, especially before um, you know, I was married, I wasn't dating or anything, I was completely single. And the Lord used that singleness to birth the ministry, to help women get delivered um, from soul ties in particular, and also to sharpen the discernment of women in learning how to recognize counterfeits when dating so that you won't waste time, you won't waste energy, you won't waste of your heart, and you won't waste your virtue. Um, so oh, that's yeah. how the singles Absolutely. ministry that I really headed up started. It was birthed out of my own experience, my pain, uh, my own testimony, and conquering what the enemy would have loved to use to conquer me. Wow, that's amazing. I, I heard you say two things. Um, mm -hmm. The first one was that your mom, God used your mom to push you and give you that final, you know, do what the Lord told you to do. And Absolutely. I just, I smiled because I went through a similar thing. My mom just spoke and was like, Camille, you need to just go to school. I, I kept saying I wanted to um, become a chef, but at the time I had children and I was like, I need to work. And she just mm -hmm. spoke and was like, you know, you need to just go to college and, and go to culinary school. And I, and I did that. And so I just smiled at the fact that um, the mother's voice has so much weight on her child's so life, power. you know, yes, mm -hmm. it can really push them into their destinies. Yeah. So much affirmation. Um, Cause Absolutely. what that let me know is that my mother believed that much. In, in what was in me to suggest that I chill out on trying to find the perfect job and all those other things and really focus on what God had put in me. I mean, she was very supportive, you know, her, my family, my, my, my brother and my dad were very supportive. Um, and it did end up working out. I ended up after getting my education and getting um, some certifications and whatnot. Um, I became uh, a coach and a counselor and I started my own business with Virtuous Reality Inc. Um, and that's the company that I do all of my coaching and counseling through, and it has been able to sustain me. And I'm just really grateful that God took me from being laid off to being an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Um, and Absolutely. I believe that he did it because I was uh, diligent in my working 
in the government for 13 years. So mm-hmm. he didn't just push me into my own business. Mm-hmm. I had to earn my stripes, you know, mm-hmm. and I had to go through the hard times. But when it was my turn, um, he made sure that my turn was, you know, abundant and that though it tarried, I waited for it. And then mm-hmm. it came and it, and it surely came. Yes. Uh, and dating with discernment is something that, you know, single women, they want so much. But I think that the book is wonderful because it gives you the how to's, you know, it's, yes. it's so many times we hear that, oh, you need to, you need to be discerning, you need to date this way and date that way. But it's like, how, how am I right. supposed to do that? Tell me how. So I think that is wonderful. That's a a jewel of a topic to talk about because it can save you from so much heartache. So much heartache. It's just really preventative. And And I love that you, you know, you said that people always been told to use the discernment. Um, but you know, discernment is a tool, um, and it has to be sharpened. And so, mm-hmm. you know, all of us have a level of discernment, but sometimes the discernment is dull. And so how do we sharpen it? And so in the book, I really outline, you know, how to build the discernment, how to utilize the discernment, because part of discernment is the discipline to walk in it. Mm-hmm. If you can have all the discernment in the world, but if you don't have the discipline to walk in what God is showing you, walk in what God is revealing to you, if you don't have the discipline to align your actions with what the Lord has shown you, then the discernment is null and void. It it has no purpose. Um, And so I really talk about how to develop the discernment and sharpen it, but also how to discipline yourself to walk in the discernment um, that you have. God oftentimes shows us stuff very early. Mm -hmm. He shows us red flags very early. Um, you know, we feel a little something and say, mm, that was a little off to me or my spirit isn't settled about this or that. Mm-hmm. But we keep pushing and we keep going forward, hoping against hope that what our discernment is showing us is not true mm-hmm. because we have our desires. Mm-hmm. And I always say, if you um, desire something um, to an unhealthy place, that the desire will dilute the discernment. And mm-hmm. that's how we end up in situations where deep down we knew this was not for us. We knew this person was not good for us. This person wasn't healthy for um, our present and would be damaging to our future, but we allow false hope and our desire to delete our discernment. I'm I'm writing that down. That was good. (laughs) Because you can apply that to any area of your life. Every area. Wow. Desire will dilute the discernment. Wow. We have to be very careful with that, with anything. Every we desire so much. You know, wow. And it can dilute what the Lord is truly saying and showing you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Is what you went through um, in your relationship that did not work out the reason you have such a strong heart for singles? Because, you know, you're not single now. You're, the Lord has brought you um, a wonderful husband that preaches alongside you and you guys, you know, pastor the Outpour Church. Um, yes, thank you, so <laughs> Yeah, so is that why your heart is so um, geared and well, strong towards yeah, Well, I always had a heart for um, uh, relationships, and mm-hmm. so, you know, even with my uh, education, um, it was to be a psychologist because I love to 
to get into the minds of people and understanding how they think and how we relate to one another as men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always a passion of mine. And that last relationship wasn't the only time that I had encountered um, what I term as counterfeits. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen, I've just seen it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, not only just in, in my life, um, because I didn't date very often, but when I did date, I took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And so um, I expected people in the church to take mm-hmm. it just as seriously because mm-hmm. we're hearing the same word, we're reading the same Bible, we say we're serving the same God. And so I think that women had the assumption that, oh, okay, because he's a deacon, he's a minister, you know, he's a musician at the church, you know, we got the same pastor or we're, we're in the same denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of assumptions that because someone has that in common with them, that their heart uh, towards a relationship would be the same as theirs. Mm-hmm. And so from just saying that and, you know, um, what my real passion is, 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 is to see women empowered and whole mm-hmm. and healed and walking in their purpose and their strength. That's the real passion. And Um, Because that is the passion, I see what seems to really destroy and drain women of their strength, their their purpose, their esteem, and that's relationships. Mm -hmm. Not the only thing, but it's one of the key things that Mm -hmm. the enemy uses uh, to to drain us of our strength, of of our focus, which directly impacts our purpose. Um, And so I think if relationships are um, handled a certain way, guards us and prevents us from having to go through undue heartache and pain. There's always going to be a level of experience that you have to go through. You know, heartache um, is something that pretty much almost none of us can fully avoid, but there is a such thing as unnecessary heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And so that is what we're trying to prevent is the unnecessary heartache. You know, life comes with enough on its own, just naturally. The last mm-hmm. thing we need to be doing is open up, opening up ourselves and opening doors um, to allow the enemy to take us through things that we don't have to go through. Amen. Yep. I want to, before I get into uh, my next point, I want to allow you and ask you to share a little bit about your shift from um, the DMV area to now the DFW area. I found that very funny. That is uh, yeah, it's a very close funny. abbreviation yeah. again. And if um, you had asked me even just five years ago and said, oh, you know, you're going to end up living in Dallas, I would say you're crazy because I had only been to Dallas one time in my life. Of wow. all the traveling I've done, Dallas just wasn't a place that I ever had a need to frequent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, after writing the book, Dating with Discernment, the Lord was um, telling me in my spirit that you're about to move, you're about to shift. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I always had a feeling um, that I wasn't going to stay in D.C. forever. I, it's just something that for years, um, I think the Lord had been prepping me for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem was I would never get a confirmation on where. Mm-hmm. So my assumption was, okay, well, maybe it's going to finally be New York or mm-hmm. maybe I'll go to Atlanta, or I even considered LA to do things more entertainment wise. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Lord would never give me peace about any of those places. And there were opportunities um, to go to those places, very strong opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, there are just times where everything uh, logically makes sense, but in your spirit, there's just not an agreement. Mm -hmm. There's not a green light. And so I continued to sit still until he uh, revealed where I was supposed to be going. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, the Lord had blessed me with this opportunity um, to go on a tour with Pierre Sheard um, as she was having almost like a talk show before her concerts in various cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was invited to be a part of that talk show. And so um, at one of the shows afterwards, um, an older lady came to me and um, she said, I really enjoyed you on the panel. You gave a good word. And we were just talking. And as I was about to you know, walk away, she said, you know what? She said, I see you in Dallas. And I said, oh, okay, not really, ma'am. <laughs> you know, that wouldn't be for me. I'm from mm-hmm. the North and I enjoy being a Northerner. And um, Dallas just seemed a little too, you know, deserty for, for mm-hmm. my taste. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> and, and so uh, she said, no, I see, you, I see you in Dallas doing, you know, business and ministry. And I really uh, was against the word. Mm. I had uh, re- reasons that I did not want to specifically go to Dallas, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, um, there were there were people there that um, I would have probably preferred to avoid mm-hmm. running into, and so uh, the fact that she's picked that city of all places, I was like, mm, no, devil, you're not gonna trick me into thinking. <laughs> um, and I I really was thinking this is really a false word, you know. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And she picked up the resistance, and she said, I have to just ask, you know, why are you so resistant to that? And I told her my reasons. And she said, oh, honey, don't even worry about that. She said, you're going to be so busy in business and ministry, you won't even have time to think about that. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I just really shrugged it off. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't think anything of it. And I told her, maybe what you're picking up is I have a wedding to attend in Dallas next month. Mm. And maybe that's what you're picking up in the spirit. And she Mm. said, no, this has nothing to do with going to a wedding. (laughs) She was very adamant. (laughs) Um, And she said, this has nothing to do with that. She said, I see you living in Dallas. Mm. doing business and ministry and I was like okay you know and afterwards I told my mom and my friends I'm like this lady tried to tell me I'm going to Dallas <laughs> all places in the world the Lord knows I would not want to go there um and so fast forward I went to that wedding in Dallas the next month and I stayed an extra day to go to church mm-hmm. the next morning and while I was in church the Lord was ministering to me and I felt this draw to mm. go there um mm. but I shrugged it off I went back home to DMV, still shrugging it off, still, you know, it was lingering in my spirit, but I was suppressing it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I just didn't want to go to Dallas. Yes. And so I kept suppressing it and suppressing it to the point where the Lord made me feel convicted about it. So I was mm. like, oh, hey, God, I finally going to have to just pray about this. I didn't even want to pray about it. Mm-hmm. And as I continued to pray about it, um, the Lord was definitely confirming that's where I'm sending you. And I was shocked. I was wow. so shocked. Wow. Um, so I, I finally said, Lord, if you really want me there, then let me be there um, for New Year's. Like yes. New Year's Eve, I want to cross over in Dallas because mm-hmm. that will be my sign that that's where he has me going next um, mm-hmm. in life. And sure enough, this was about uh, December. And my dad called and said, hey, you know, you're pretty hard to pick things for for Christmas. So I, I think you know, you like to fly, you like to go places, just pick somewhere that you want to go. And mm. so I said, well, I just want a ticket to Dallas. And he was like, that's it? And I was like, yeah, I just want a ticket to Dallas. He bought it that day. And sure enough, for New Year's Eve, I was right in Dallas, uh, crossing over. And that is how I knew the world was very serious. And it just wow. so happened that when I got here, um, a, a distant friend of mine, um, he was like, you know, I'm in Dallas. I'm like, oh yeah, and, you know. And he's like, yeah, I wanna uh, let's go out to eat. And I was like, okay. And I 
I was just thinking it was just on some chill mode. And right. um, I had one friend in Dallas, one female friend. And so mm-hmm. I told her, yeah, I'm going to hang out with someone tonight. She's like, well, is it a date? And I was like, no, I don't think it's a date. I think we just, you know, hanging out. And she's right. like, no, sis, I think it's a date, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, he never said that he liked me like that. And she said, no, I think you need to dress up. Cause I just, you know, I had on <laughs> jeans. I was kind of chilling. And um, so, you know, right before it was time that, you know, time that we set to go out, um, I asked my now husband, but back then he was just a friend. I said, you know, is this a date or are we just hanging out? He said, this is a date. I'm not trying to be your friend. Is that what you thought all this time? And I said, oh, I thought we were friends. And so, you know, I just, I had to change. I had to beat the face and everything. And, um, and that date, you know, that ended up being, being my husband. And wow. so, it, you know, life just worked out that way. I, I would have never thought yes. that moving and then dating would have happened. And then we got married you know, um, not long after that, and then uh, not long into the marriage, like a year plus into the marriage, my husband was already a minister for years, wow. um, but the Lord called him to pastor, which is not something he even wanted to do, but through many confirmations, the Lord was telling him that it was time, and so a year and a half into just being married, we had to open a church, mm. the church just turned one years old a couple of days ago, so wow. the process Yay. of getting here was definitely a divine thing. So, you know, I really encourage women all the time. Mm -hmm. um, Don't box God in. You know, you literally have no idea where he may take you. He he may allow you to meet. Um, You know, that January when I moved to Dallas, I was still posting, you know, this is going to be the year that God's going to send the one he anointed to love you, not knowing that six, seven months later, I was going to be married Wow! because we were already, you know, friends and comfortable with each other. So it didn't Mm -hmm. take long to really figure out that he wanted to be together. And I had confirmation in my spirit, my family Mm -hmm. agreed in their spirits. And so the rest is, is history as they say. And so, you know, be open um, to the Lord. You don't try to have a plan already figured out because usually what we have planned, the Lord is going to surpass. And I really believe that's why the Bible says, you know, that he gives us above what we could ask or think. Um, And so if if it's on the level of your comprehension, that's probably not what it's going to be. It's probably Mm. going to be a lot uh, bigger than that. It's going to expand beyond what you think. It's going to really surpass even what you have imagined for yourself. I would have never thought in three years that I would move to a different state get a whole husband and start a church in three years that's not it's just beyond what I could have asked or thought hallelujah wow I stay open amen that word is it's directly ministering to me because we me and my husband just moved to Houston Uh, I know you don't know me yes thank you and in a similar story but we're from Connecticut and the Lord just said you I am, you know, I need you guys to go to Texas through a dream. And I brought it to my husband and he didn't say anything at first, but he came back and he was like, all right, I trust what the Lord is telling you. Let's go. And we visited, we visited, um, like you one time, one time. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, one day my husband woke up and was like, God said, it's time to go. Let's go now. Mm -hmm. We can't, we've been here since, um, August 27th, 2019. 2019 okay so yeah. you're still new to texas yeah, as well well i'm yes. so glad um you know that you were obedient because you don't know what that obedience is going to open up for you 
Yes, amen. You really don't. And it's that's a testament that you have a husband who trusts the God in you that much, yes. you know, that he would be willing to step out on faith with you. So I'm Absolutely. glad to see, you know, marriages where the, the spouses are on one accord spiritually. Amen. amen. Mm-hmm. And so one of the messages I saw recently, you went back to the DMV area to preach a word, and it was called Demolish the Monuments in Your Heart. I was sending it to a few of my friends, and we were all just very blessed by it. Um, So would you expound on that a little bit? Yes. So um, um, the church here in Dallas, um, you know, we decided that we wanted to take our services on tour. You know, a lot of people come through. Um, and because uh, it flows heavily in deliverance and the prophetic, um, and people always say, oh, she would come here, oh, she would come there. So we started to actually go out in the first place, um, you know, that uh, we decided to go to was, was my home city mm-hmm. um, in the DMV. And so as we're um, in service, my husband was preparing to give the word. He usually is very liberal with me and lets me uh, flow freely. And so I usually would give kind of some prophetic declarations before he preaches and mm-hmm. so because we were in the DMV I mentioned that one of our premier tourist attractions there is the DC monument mm-hmm. um, it's downtown you know you see it all the time on television just a long tower um, a very tall tower and so I use that as an example um, at that time that the Lord uh, was speaking to many people that it was time for them to demolish the monument in their hearts, um, that we had erected idols in our hearts, whether mm-hmm. it's the idol of business, the idol of money, whether it's the idol uh, of wanting a relationship, whether it's an idol of marriage, whether it's an idol um, for any category, that we had erected monuments in our heart uh, where we had built up a certain desire or built up a certain person or built up a certain situation in our hearts so much so that it has become a monument. We are worshiping it. And worship um, doesn't just mean, you know, the way we see it done in church. Worship means anything um, that you are giving concentrated energy and focus to on a continual basis. It's a form of worship, that your thoughts are always with this thing, that all of your feelings are controlled by whatever this particular thing is. And so Mm -hmm. we are erecting monuments and we are worshiping those monuments. And so whether it's, you know, a single woman who's worshiping the idea of getting married, Mm -hmm. whether it's a married woman who's worshiping the idea of having children because she Mm -hmm. doesn't yet have children, if it's, you know, a business owner, an entrepreneur who's worshiping the idea of getting rich quick, you know, Mm -hmm. all of us have monuments in our heart even in ministry you can be a pastor that's worshiping the idea of your church you know having thousands and thousands of members Mm -hmm. and so there are monuments that we have erected in our hearts um that the lord was saying it is time to demolish them and it's time to bring the things that you have let have such a high space in your heart bring those things low uh, Mm -hmm. bring those things down and stop the worshiping of things that we desire and worshiping of the people that we desire. Even people, you know, for instance, if it's a single woman worshiping the idea of being in a relationship, we also can worship relationships that once were. We also can create, uh, as I said in that message, memorials Mm. and monuments that we keep looking back to. We see that even with, you know, Lot's wife, that because she kept looking back, because she Mm -hmm. could not let go of the past, because she would not be obedient and press towards the 
future and forget the familiar things. She looked back and what did the Lord turn her into? He turned her into a memorial, a monument of her past. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I really uh, stressed in that message that if you don't demolish the monument, your worship is going in the wrong direction. Yes. Um, so God is seeing you as, as being in idolatry and he cannot bless us while we are idolizing other things in people mm. other than him um, mm. and that we ourselves become a memorial where we can't move forward we become stagnant we become a statue um, because we are memorializing the past to the point where we created a monument and the Lord wow. will allow us to be that memorial if we're not careful if we do not let go of the things and the people that we mm. erected as monuments in our hearts and so I use that monument um, as an example to demonstrate that point and that principle um, that we have to be careful of idolatry because we serve a jealous God Absolutely. and he won't allow what we want for our future. Mm -hmm. He won't allow who we want for our future. He won't allow what we are still mourning over in our past or who mm -hmm. we lost in our past. Mm -hmm. Even though he understands it, it does not negate that he is still a jealous and zealous God for yes. his people and he will not have any other gods before him. He will not have any other monuments before him and he will not allow us to continue to keep those things and people as monuments um, without us risking the chance of becoming a memorial ourselves. Mm. The Lord will say, since the past means so much to you, I'll keep you stationary until Ooh. you're ready to move forward. My God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Absolutely. That is so powerful. Yes, which is why I wanted you to share that. That that is mm -hmm. so powerful. Oh man, um, when I when I got here to Texas at the top of the year, I was having such a, pro a problem, and I kept on looking back and saying, "Oh, I'm mm -hmm. so homesick." Every other day, I was talking to my mom, saying, "I'm homesick," you know, because mm -hmm. I was all on Facebook, and the Lord shut it down. He's like, "You take that Facebook down." He had me off of Facebook <laughs> for four months, and yes. he was like, "You, you look where you are. You're in the promise." open your mm -hmm. eyes you know wow so yeah. that that really resonated with me um, yeah and I think you know anytime you're coming out of one place mm -hmm. to get to the next place that middle zone is, is called the wilderness and it's mm. called the wilderness for a reason it's a wilderness because we don't know what's coming next um, we're not familiar with the current surroundings we've never been in certain situations before so it feels like we're just out in the wild uh, with no direction with no compass you know, no creature comforts, you know, um, nothing familiar is around us. But you have to remember that there is no getting from one place into the promise without that wilderness season. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we give up in the wilderness and mm -hmm. we start craving the old thing, no different than the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. They pray to get out of the bondage. They pray to get away from Pharaoh. They pray to get out of that situation but they were giving up in the wilderness. They were complaining in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. They were murmuring in the wilderness. And mm -hmm. that actually kept them in the wilderness longer. Mm -hmm. um, had they been speaking faith, had they, you know, uh, become resolute in their hearts and spirits that, yes, of course, this is unfamiliar territory. Yes. Of course, this is a place we've never seen before. But we're yes. on our way somewhere. So we expect the wilderness. Amen. I've learned that if you expect the wilderness, then you take its power from it mm. because you are already anticipating its arrival. 
It's mm-hmm. like being prepared for an enemy as opposed to an enemy being able to sneak and creep up on you. If you had that mindset of, I was already waiting your arrival. I already knew the wilderness season was coming. I already know I'm going to feel lost for a little while and things won't be familiar. But what I won't do is be like the children of Israel and start desiring the place of bondage again because I'm scared yes. in the wilderness. Yes. Because that's what they did. They started mm-hmm. you know, missing the leeks and the onions and the fish that were in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Not remembering that Egypt represents your bondage. That's where Amen. you were enslaved. That's Come where you on. were under the hand of your taskmaster. Where My you God. had to create bricks without straw. And yes. so do not allow the enemy to confuse you in the wilderness by making you think that going back to the bondage is going mm. to be better. It yes. is better to face the fear of the unknown and the unfamiliar with the faith that a promise is on the horizon than to go back to the hand of your slave master. My God. Thank you, Lord. That was good. Thank you, Lord. As we, as we wrap up today, um, I'd like you, if you can, to share a special message with um, whatever ladies or men might be listening today and may see themselves in what you have shared today. Awesome. Yes. And so, you know, right now, you know, we're in a very um, unprecedented time. We're in a very divinely strategic time where a lot of us are in quarantine because of the pandemic, because of the virus. And so a lot of us um, have been forced to sit still. And so um, my message to the ladies um, comes from advice that Naomi gave Ruth. There's a scripture where she says, sit still my daughter and see how the matter will fall and so this is a season where the lord is telling his daughters to sit still and see how the matter will fall in that particular story naomi is letting ruth know that if boaz wants you he'll do what he has to do to get you you know her specific words to her were sit still my daughter and see how the matter will fall because the man will not be in rest until he finishes the thing this day. And so what we have to remember about Boaz, he doesn't represent a a romantic partner. He represents a kinsman redeemer. And Mm -hmm. we know that even for us, our redeemer lives. And Mm -hmm. so as the redeemer that we serve, he's saying to his daughters during this time where we can't be as busy, we can't be as active, we can't be as mobile. He is telling us to sit still and see how the matter will fall because the Lord himself is not going to rest until he finishes it on your behalf. It says in the word that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so this is a season we're sitting still to see how God is going to allow things to pan out, is going to work in your favor. He doesn't need you to get involved. He doesn't need your hands in it. He doesn't need you to be all in the way. He needs you to sit still and see how the matter will fall. And while you're still, he's going to be revealing. He's going to reveal what that relationship really is about by you being still. He's going to handle the matter for you because you're no longer in the way. Sit still and see how that job situation is going to pan out. Sit still and see what is going to happen with that ministry that's inside of you. Sit still and write that book and the Lord will handle how you get the audience and how you get, you know, the following and how you do the marketing. You have to sit still sometimes to see how the matter will fall. And while you're sitting still, it may seem like nothing's happening, but what's happening behind the scenes is your redeemer is handling business on your behalf. While Ruth was sitting still to see how the matter will fall, 
Boaz was behind the scenes doing what he needed to do spiritually, doing what he needed to do legally to obtain her. And that is what God is doing for many of us while we're quarantined and while we have to sit still is he is behind the scenes making spiritual maneuvers on our behalf. He's handling legal situations on our behalf. He's arranging divine connections and marriages on our behalf. He is bringing things together for our businesses and our ministries on our behalf because in the sitting still, we show that we trust him to do what he said he is going to do, which is begin the good thing in us and finish it. And so that's my word of encouragement to all the ladies right now, because that applies to all of us across the board, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a mother, whether you're childless, whether you have a job, whether you don't have a job, whatever your situation, even in your health, um, mentally, emotionally, and definitely right now physically, is to sit still and see how the matter will fall. Do not allow the pandemic to cause you to panic because when you're in panic mode, you're moving, you're going fast, you're anxious, and you're making maneuvers out of a place of worry, not faith. And when we make maneuvers out of worry and fear, Mm -hmm. all right, it produces the fruit after its own kind. You know, Mm -hmm. fear produces a certain fruit. Anxiety produces a certain fruit. You being afraid of the unknown, it produces a certain fruit. And faith produces a certain fruit. Faith produces favor because the Lord, he is complimented by our faith. It it does his heart well to see that his daughters trust him, believe in him, and have faith in who he is and his power. The Bible says that we have to come to him and we have to know that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So my word of encouragement is to sit still and seek the Father, and while you are seeking him, he is arranging things on your behalf behind the scenes. Amen. I receive it. I could just almost see people crying just listening to you. I know that the listeners who come on are just, they're going to be blessed and and transformed by this word that is on time. Really hope that that touches somebody. That yes. um, sitting still is not yes. a bad thing in this season. This is a season. Mm-hmm. I've said this um, several times during all of this that we're not in quarantine. We're in consecration. Yes, my um, God. And because we're in consecration, we're using this time to pray that we normally don't have, to write, to read, to worship on a different level than we normally have because we have the time. And there's no way that we could seek in the things of God this long and not come out on a whole different level with a new power, with a greater anointing, with divine strategy, with ideas. And so, you know, get excited in this season that while God has you sitting still, that when you finally can be mobile, he's going to allow you to run to the things in your destiny and have good success. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all that you poured out today. Where can people find you on social media and through your businesses if they want to get in touch with you? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram. That's my main social media page at Christy Lyles. I'm also on Facebook at Christy Butler Lyles. Um, And also on Facebook, I have a private group called uh, Virtuous Reality Life Class. Um, And it's just um, a a group for women. And we talk about all things, singleness, marriage preparation, purpose, 
um, entrepreneurship. You know, we talk about deliverance. You know, I give a lot of prophetic words on that particular group. So um, try to find that on Facebook. And you can always go to my website at www.christyliles.com. That's where you can schedule counseling sessions. I have uh, things that you can purchase, courses that you can purchase, books that you can purchase. Um, so christyliles.com is the main place to go. What's the name of that Facebook group again? Virtual Reality? Virtuous Reality Life Class. Okay. Amen. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much again for joining us today on the Moments of Joy podcast. Don't forget, episodes are released every Wednesday. And always remember that you have the option to choose joy. God bless. Bye-bye.